1: thank you so much for listening. So for my new listeners, welcome. I'm Deb Plaschenberg, and I would love if you guys, before you even jump and get started, actually while you're listening, why don't you jump over to iTunes, take a moment, for those that have already listened, and rate us on iTunes. I would love that. All right, so now, let's go ahead and get started with our podcast. So I wanted to talk today a little bit about my personal birth choice. Now, I don't usually talk about this in class. My teacher trainees know the way I've chosen to birth my two children, but I don't open it up to my regular prenatal classes or even my childbirth ed classes. I definitely refer to my birth experiences and use that in a way that can add to the conversation if it's valuable. But the thing that I chose for myself is I chose a home birth. And it's not for everyone. And it shouldn't be for everyone because some people are definitely going to be risked out. But for me, it felt like the right choice. So let me back up and talk a little bit about why and how I came to this decision. So I did not grow up in the type of family that you would have expected me to do home birth. You know, some of my friends that have done home births, it was so natural for them to go in that direction because they were born at home and it was just the lineage of their family and it's what they heard about their birth stories. I was different, you know, I was born in the 70s, very kind of middle of the road, traditional family in that sense. Both my brother and I were born in a hospital. um, But I did hear a very positive birth story about the way I was brought into the world. It was fast. It was positive. It was just expected like things happened easily. So I did have that positive reassurance that birth is normal and can be done naturally and can be uh, uncomplicated. So now fast forward many, many, many years later... And I started to work as a labor support doula. Now, before that, I have to admit, birth really wasn't in my scheme of thought. Before I entered the whole prenatal world, I was performing and having babies was far from my my picture of my future at that time. So once I started prenatal and then I got to the doula world, then I started to become more educated or not even just educated, influenced and saw the reality of birth. You know, it's certainly not like it is in movies, and it can be, I don't wanna use the word complicated, but not necessarily smooth and easeful. So what I observed as a doula was mainly hospital births. And the typical situation was we would walk into the hospital, we'd wait in the waiting room, we'd go through triage, the mom would eventually get into an labor and delivery room, maybe a birth center, if that's what we were able to get into, if that was her plan. And then there was a fair amount of intervention that was just routine, a hep lock with an IV, monitors, whether it's full-time or intermittent monitoring, people in and out of the room, the gown, the specific hospital bed. It didn't feel like something that I resonated with and gravitated towards. For many, that is exactly what they want. So then I happened to be invited as a doula to watch a home birth, to be part of a home birth. And that was completely different than what I had seen in hospital births. So when I arrived for my very first home birth as a doula, it was a duplex apartment in Harlem, and it was a gorgeous place, and I walked in. It was spacious, and it was low-lit, and the dad had some oatmeal on the stove, and there was a birth tub, and the mom was just in her own clothes, walking around the apartment, making sound, swaying, being in her place. By that point, the midwife hadn't arrived. I was there first. And I just joined her. I was just present with her. I wasn't having to negotiate what monitors to use, you know, if she wanted full-time or intermittent. It was really just being present and supportive with her as she moved through her own labor experience. As things got further along, the midwife came. This was a team of midwives. too, two. So one came earlier and then one came later when things progressed. And then even when the midwife got there, she just sat in this corner. She set up her stuff. She had a whole tray of instruments. She had oxygen if there would need to be resuscitation, and she just sit and was knitting until, until she was called upon. She would check in on us. She would listen to the baby's heart rate, but it's really about creating spaciousness and honoring the woman's process, and what was really huge to me was just how homey it felt. Obviously, it was a home birth, but that we really weren't having to I keep going back to negotiating. I didn't have a lot of nurses coming in and out taking notes or a lot of questions being asked. It was just an honoring of the process.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's skylightca com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. And so when I finally became pregnant, I had thought
1: I would do a birth center. But what I had noticed from the birth center births here in New York at the it was called St. Luke's Roosevelt, but I believe it's now called Sinai West. What I had noticed was that even though the mom had intended to do those births there, for whatever reason, she was often risked out, whether there was only three rooms, so if maybe one of the rooms were available, or she went past a certain due date. So at that time, you were able to do 40 weeks and six days, and if you went past that, then you had to go into LNG, labor and delivery. So I just felt there was a lot of possibilities that even if I chose to go for the birth center, I may not actually get in. I didn't want to take that risk. So for me, I actually felt safer birthing outside the hospital. Now, that may not be for you. I felt like I would function better in my labor if I could be in my own space, if I could be surrounded by the people I trust, I had interviewed and found an amazing home birth midwife that I felt extremely, uh, was extremely qualified, and I put a great amount of confidence Mm -hmm. and trust in. So I had her, and I had my husband, and I had my doula, and I just felt that if I needed to have more medical attention, we could transfer. Now, I did have a special situation that I had my OB as a backup. I had been with this, this doctor for that point you know, 15, 16 years, and he knew what I do for for a living. He had that awareness, and he and I had a great relationship. I actually even have his email address. If I have doula questions, he was completely available to support me on that. And so what I didn't know was during my first birth, uh, my midwife and my doctor actually in conversation, so he knew what was going on, should I need to transfer. So I really did feel secure and confident. Now, when I explained the situation that we were going for a home birth to my family, that got a little tricky. Now, they didn't outright say this is crazy, but I knew there was a lot of fear. And that's what a lot of people go to, the what ifs. You know, what if something happened? It seems crazy to do this. So, I started to look up some statistics. So, here are some statistics I wanna share. Currently, 98% of births in the U.S. take this in hospitals. We have about just 2%, maybe even a little bit less. This this could be a little outdated here. 2% at home. So if we look at the other statistics like our infant mortality or our maternal mortality, and they're not great, they really aren't. For the money that the U.S. spends on births, you would think that we have fantastic statistics. Everybody's like, the hospital's the place to go. The medical way is the way to go. It's the safest. However, so now that we know that 90% of births are done in the hospital, do we have the statistics to back up that it's the safest? Actually, we don't. So from this is from the World Health Organization. They say the latest statistics, and this, is, this one's pretty recent, is that the U.S. ranks 33 out of 179 developed countries One of 1,800 mothers dying childbirth. Those are not great statistics. For infant mortality rate, we rank 168 out of 220 countries. We're sandwiched between Serbia and Poland. In the US, we lose 6.17 out of 1,000 babies. Now let's look at that against the top ranking. The top ranking country is Monaco with 1.81 out of 1,000 babies. So here, we're thinking the the hospital is the safest place. Things, you know, we have the medical support there, but still our statistics are not supporting that. Now, that's not to say that you should dash out of the hospital if that's not in your comfort zone. The body's going to function best when you're feeling confident and supported. And for me, it was at home. I needed to go to the hospital should I need medical intervention. But otherwise, I needed to be in a place that I felt I could be quiet, that I could have solitude, that I could have space. And in hindsight, for my births, it was really the best place for me. I knew had I been in a hospital, absolutely hands down, I would have had a cesarean. Not for the medical reason that my child's. Beetle heart rate was a problem. In fact, it never dropped below 125. My blood pressure was fantastic the whole time. But because it took a long time, with my first child, my whole labor, and granted, I'm going to go into why this happened in another podcast, but my whole first labor was about 42 hours, including the pushing. Now, had I been in the hospital, they would have said failure to progress. It's taken a long time. My pushing took five hours. And granted, I took some breaks. But they would have said, baby's too big, not coming out. Baby came out, took time, took a lot of time. I didn't have any sort of ripping, took time. But it would have been baby's too big, and he certainly fit. So when we think about home birth. The U.S. is really in a different place. Countries like the Netherlands, which actually holds a rate of about 20% doing home births. Now, granted, it's different because they have a whole different societal acceptance of home birth. They also have a lot of well-trained midwives as well as an established emergency transfer system in place that we don't have in the U.S. But what was interesting is last year in the U.K., the Royal College of Obstetrics and Gynecology took a stance encouraging second-time moms to consider home birth. So they have to be risked in. So if you have gestational diabetes, that would risk you out. If you had multiples, that would risk you out. If you had preeclampsia, that would risk you out. Preterm labor, preterm birth, that would risk you out. But for second-time healthy moms, the Royal College of Obstetrics and Gynecology are actually supporting and encouraging that. So whether home birth is right for you or not, that's for you to decide. You have to, wherever you birth, the most important thing is that you feel confident and comfortable. But at least now, perhaps there's an idea that this is an option, that home birth is an option. Maybe it's something you hadn't even thought of. But most importantly, again, you just need to digest and find your honest truth of where you can most open up where you feel supported, where you feel aligned, where you feel the most comfortable so that your body can function as it needs to and birth your baby in the vision that you have. And for some, that's home. For some, that's a birth center. And for some, that's a hospital. And there's no judgment either way because at the end of the day, your birth is going to imprint on your vision of birth that will be passed down. So you need to look inside and find your honesty. And again, there's no judgment. It's just a matter of seeing your picture of your birth. So thank you so much for listening and listening to my birth story and hearing why I chose a birth. And please join another time. We have tons more podcasts on their way. Again, if you enjoyed this, especially as a first-time listener, please take the time go to iTunes and rate us, review us. I'd really appreciate that. You can also catch me. I do my Periscopes three days a week check out my, uh, I'm going to put this in the show notes, go to our website. And if you sign up for our newsletter, you get a ad video about how to push your baby out using your abdominals. So check that out, prenatalyogacenter.com. And you can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram, and on Facebook and all that great social media and on YouTube. All right. So next time I look forward to seeing you again or chatting with you again. Have a great day. Namaste. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape.